welcome to Tabletop Dropouts. I'm George. I remain Zach. And I am Mike. And today, I will be discussing with you guys some of the better topics that we were looking forward to talking about last week. Um, starting with, you know, how to get into wargaming. And I think that this is something that we got a lot of interest in. We kind of started our podcast and we got very deep very quick. And that's that's really cool. I actually really enjoyed doing that with you guys because I learned a lot talking to you that I wouldn't have otherwise learned myself. But we have a lot of listeners that are out there that kind of, they're looking to make that first step into wargaming and kind of, they they sit there and I remember being in that, that spot, you know, for, for 40K, I really wanted to get into it. And I had just finished reading Eisenhorn, so I bought a, a start collecting box of Death Watch. Just, just at the beginning of eighth, you know, and like had I known or had somebody kind of say like, hey, maybe this isn't the best thing for you to start with. I think maybe that would have gone a little different. But by that point, I was already over a hundred bucks invested into the hobby, so I was like, "Oh well, now I gotta, you know, I'm going with Death Watch." So, I want to hear what you know. What are your, some of your guys' advice for kind of the new player who I'm looking to get into hobby gaming? I'm looking to get into war gaming. I'm looking to get into pen and paper RPGs. How would you start that? Well, um, as kind of the resident RPG guy, I guess I'll I'll focus on that real quick, and cool. then yeah. we can kind of transition uh, to covering some more. Um, other game styles so uh tabletop rpgs have really kind of had a resurgence in the past couple of years uh fifth edition DD launched a wide success and uh much like we reference gw being the big miniatures game company that everybody kind of has to be aware of um wizards of the coast with dungeons and dragons is is that in the rpg space but um with that being said uh i do want to make it very clear that you don't have to start with playing DD. in fact starting with playing with DD depending on what you want, what's interesting to you, might actually be a bad thing. So that's my first bit of advice. Don't feel like D&D is your only option. Um, but if you're interested in RPGs, it means you're probably interested in telling stories and, and interacting with a group of friends to tell a story. And there are a lot of options out there. So one of my first things I'm going to tell you to do is to look at what sort of stories interest you. If you're into heroic fantasy in a very Lord of the Rings type of trope, then... D&D might be perfect for you. If you're interested in that sort of like zero to hero, we're, you know, very, very iconic class adventurers, then D&D is great. But if you're into superheroes, obviously D&D is probably not what you should be looking at. You should be looking at something more like Mutants and Masterminds or Spectaculars or um, the new... Uh, one of the many other RPG well, I, systems. It's on the tip of my tongue. I'm, I'm based, there, there's a plethora of them. Uh, I was specifically thinking of the uh, Sentinels of the Multiverse, which mm-hmm. is a tabletop game that recently got its own right. uh, RPG. But the point is, find the genre that's interesting to you. And one thing to realize, too, is that if you don't know anyone that plays D&D, the secret is you probably know someone that used to play D&D and is probably would jump at a chance to play again. Yeah, I, I kind of want to jump in there, George. Um, you know, like we said a couple of minutes ago, role-playing games in general, and especially D&D, have really gotten a lot more popular or at least um, kind of come out of the closet or come out of the dark in the last couple mm-hmm. of years. People have started embracing nerd culture, and it's now part of, like, the zeitgeist that everyone is aware of, that it's actually okay to, like quote-unquote nerdy things um and so like george was saying you know somebody that plays D. 
you probably know somebody that has been a dungeon master in D&D. So while maybe D&D isn't the right RPG for you, maybe it's not exactly what you're looking for, D&D is also an extremely low barrier to entry Mm -hmm. game. You will always be able to find people to play D&D with. You will, especially if you're a dungeon master, you're always going to have somebody that wants to join your party. Finding a dungeon master may be a little bit more difficult, unfortunately, but I guarantee you, if you got a couple hundred friends on Facebook and you put out a post on, hey, who knows how to play D&D, you're going to get people to um, respond and to that. Actually, I, one of the things talking about that I just realized, um, I don't want to fall in the trap in because of the, some of the feedback we got. Um, so to explain the, the, some terminology associated with role-playing games... Right. Yeah. Um, you'll see the term DM or GM used uh, pretty frequently when talking about games. And for those of you who don't know and are just getting into role-playing games, that's the person who is running the world in the game. So uh, DM stands for Dungeon Master. It's specifically the DM, D&D term, the Dungeons & Dragons term for that role. But a lot of games uh, call it the, either the MC, like a Master of Ceremonies, or the GM for Game Master. Uh, some games also call it the storyteller or something like that. The keeper of arcane lore the keeper is my of favorite. Ar- um, and basically, <laughs> these are the guys who, in a traditional role-playing game, everybody at the table is going to be playing their own individual character. Like, I might be playing a daring rogue or a pulp pilot or something like that. And I'm only really responsible for my actions and my reactions and, and what my character does. The GM is the person who is running everybody who is not being covered by one of the PCs or player characters. Notice I said a traditional RPG because some games do have different, more experimental story structures. Um, there's no wrong way or right way to do it as long as everybody at the table is having fun, um, which goes back to you know what I was saying earlier about D&D. Uh, it's not always going to be the, the choice that you maybe are most interested in, but it is definitely the most widespread. So if you're looking at just getting into RPGs in general, D&D is definitely an easy one to put feelers out there. Um, my next recommendation is if you're interested, um, look into forums. Uh, usually they have a, a looking for game section. And with today's modern technology, there are several virtual tabletops or VTTs where people are able to simulate connecting uh, online and having a virtual table where they could still do tactical maps, which is not a necessity, but a lot of games, especially D&D, feature it heavily mm-hmm. um george what are some good sources for that uh, for, vir- for virtual tabletops yeah um so d20 uh, roll 20 is probably one of the bigger ones out right now uh that one is specifically obviously with the d20 in there or the 20 in there it's very dnd focused because dnd is kind of iconic for using a 20-sided die um they have a looking for games uh type section in their forums they can you can post games publicly you can join for free and play in any game that's a, that's a big appeal for that, and they support systems more than just D and D. They support stuff like City of Mist, which is like a noir, modern, uh, urban uh, fantasy or urban, yeah, urban fantasy type game. Oh, I'm interested. Mm-hmm. Um, but they also they do Fate, which is a, a kind of a generic uh, narrative driven game. They do all types of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also a newer one called Astral, which uh, has specific systems it focuses on, but uh, D&D and Pathfinder are two of the big ones. So I also believe it supports like Vampire the Masquerade and some of that stuff. Um, honestly, there's there's probably more VTTs than I could announce, but those Roll20 is definitely the most popular one. Right. Um, I, another, um, another good one, if you're on Reddit, the subreddit um, LFG, I believe is what it is. Right. Uh, all uppercases stands for looking for games. 
um, that brings you know people from all, ac- all across the world together looking for different kinds of games. In there, you'll find people looking to serve as your dungeon master or game master, and then also just people that want to just be player characters. One of the great things about a lot of these games that we haven't mentioned, too, is that you don't have to be in the same physical space. Um, as long as you can make your timelines work out, and by that I mean the actual logistics of scheduling a campaign, which um, turns out is about the hardest part of RPGs, mm-hmm. unfortunately, um, with you know six or seven adults. Um, as long as you can work out the logistics, you can be you know somebody in Japan, someone in Australia, someone in Germany, and someone living in New York, and you guys can all play together. Yeah, currently right now I'm involved in two different online groups, uh, one of which is predominantly here in Florida but has a couple members back in Louisiana, and another one is has people spread out a little bit more where a lot of the guys are in California, Louisiana, and here. So mm-hmm. it's if you can get it so you're all online at the same time, especially with, the like I said, virtual tabletop or even just Discord. Discord uh, is really popular for just playing um, you know, online if you're not interested in maybe some of the other bells and whip whistles of like an automatic dice roller. Mm-hmm. Um, but one last thing to, before we kind of get off of this topic of... of Role-playing games is a couple of forums I'd like to recommend. Um, so if you're really interested in D&D, one of the main forums I usually use for my old uh, for my old uh, third edition days of Dungeons & Dragons was called enworld.org. That's, the letter is enworld.org. Um, it started off as like a, a spoilers page for third edition D&D, and it, grow, it grew into a major hub of D&D and news and information uh, in the post-launch of third edition. Um, the other one is forum.rpg.net, and it's one of the old school uh, forums that's been around for a while. Um, it just has a good general source of lots of different uh, games that are talked about. Um, but there's plenty of information out there. Uh, should be able to just make put out some feelers and, you know, if push comes to shove, look up a local game store. There's always somebody looking yep. for games there. And, you know, I mean, my last piece on RPG, like, don't be afraid to let your freak flag fly on those. Um, because, I mean, RPG, what are the first two words in there? Role playing. Like, you, it's great to, like, really find a good group that you can be comfortable with and really live out your character. Because you're stepping into someone else's body, basically, when you play a role playing game. Some different, um, different systems enable and encourage that a lot more. D&D is historically much more combat focused mm-hmm. um whereas games like call of cthulhu are a little bit more narratively driven um now in cthulhu your own character is probably not going to be too anything what anything too wild because because yeah, you're probably going to die because like you're going to get sections. you're going to get killed by something wild <laughs> um, like a book yeah well i mean and you know d de- we, we bring up Call of Cthulhu because, like I said, it's very narratively driven, and combat is very unforgiving in Call of Cthulhu, whereas in D&D, not so much. But going back to my original point, you know, you're going to have the most fun if you really buy in and go for it, like, and really do role-play your character, like, even making up accents and stuff. Like, I have a character that I've made for a campaign that I'm supposed to be starting anytime now. Um... He's a halfling bard named Sebastian von Gutwitt, and he's basically based off of Dutch uh, merc- mercantilism noble, uh, like uh, nobles. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm totally trying to figure out how to do a Dutch accent for it, just because it makes it a lot more fun. Um, and that just reminded me of the one last thing in that the actual plays are a big source. If you're interested, there's tons of podcasts out there. I'm not going to plug any specific one because there's tons of favorites, and I don't want to... Uh, uh, 
offend any other group by leaving them out. But if you look for a game that if you find a game that looks interesting and you go look for a podcast that does an actual play, you'll probably be able to find them. I can think of a ton of them off the top of my head for a variety of systems. Um, but that is also an excellent source to see if it's right for you. But yeah. uh, cool. cool. Yeah. Well, thanks for that, George. And now we're uh, kind of going into the meat and bones of, I think, what our podcast <laughs> most of the time talks about, yeah. which is kind of wargaming. wargaming. And so kind of what we're talking about is, you know, a lot of people kind of, especially I had some friends that, you know, found out I had a podcast, started listening and said, you guys sound great, but I have no idea what the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> that's, and, a, that's literally what one of my coworkers said whenever we... Uh, we stepped off campus for a bit to go grab some uh, coffee and he's like, just out of blue, I hadn't plugged it to him. I just shared it on my social media and uh, he's like, oh yeah, try listening to that podcast. It sounded really good, but I, I was lost 15 minutes in. I'm like, sorry. He's like, oh, just tell me when y'all get to this sort of episode, like the intro, how right, do you do this? Yeah. So this is our intro, how do you do this episode? So kind of, we're going to cover some of the bigger systems and if we miss a system or, you know, talk to us about it. Tell, yep. us, tell us in the comments. But with that, we're going to kind of get started with, with Wargaming and kind of what... So why should somebody look into something like a Games Workshop? And let's let's start with Games Workshop, the monolith of the Wargaming. Well, I want to kind of pull it back, actually, if you don't mind. Ah, really unacceptable. unacceptable. <laughs> I, I think it's important to say that just like role-playing games with tabletop games there's a wide variety even a dearth of different systems that you can use if and if you're trying to decide what kind of game to play i think it's important to bring up a few considerations one what interests you if you want to play historicals and like get really in detail on like your prussian army from circa 1863 um then yeah, you probably shouldn't look at Warhammer because right. it takes yeah. place forty thousand years well, into wait, the future. You, you mean I, I can't have orcs and goblins in my Prussian army? Sadly, no. Um, what if I put them? What if I paint the uniforms accurately? Do you then, think then you're fine? Yes. Oh, okay, yeah. All right, that's 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 the uh, the misnomer. For some context for listeners, historical players um, are well known for being ex- accurate to the point of being painful about what their uniforms are actually painted as because yes. there's quite a bit of nuance to it. But like I was saying, so if you're interested in playing, you know, Prussians or French or, you know, taking your stab at the Battle of Waterloo, then Warhammer 40,000 isn't a great system for you. And neither is like Age of Sigmar or any of those. However, if you do like fantasy or, um, you know, dark um, sci-fi gameplay, then yeah, maybe you should take a look at the um, GW suite of games. Right. So some of the ones for for historicals that are Warlord Mm -hmm. games... Um, and then there's Osprey does mm-hmm. uh, quite a few. I, I know that they do the the Ronin like samurai yeah. Yeah. time period. O- Osprey is an interesting company that because uh, since they do such a wide variety of both historical and non-historical, right? They they're just a good, especially if you're not sold on any one particular line of models. Osprey is a really good company to look at if this hobby is intriguing to you. Mm-hmm. Right. And and Zach is 100 percent right. It's all about identifying what you want to do and what enjoyment you seek. And one of the things and, I'm actually gonna kind of throw out there is there are some options that come pre-painted. That yeah. if the if you wanna show up with an army that's painted and you don't wanna like do it yourself or pay someone else to do it, there are options for that. Um, 
one company that springs to mind is War, uh, not Warlord Games, and I'm not going to be able to think of the name of the company. Uh, du- the guys that make Dust 1947. In fact, it might just be Dust Games now because it, it jumped the license jumped around a right. bit. But you can literally they have a premium option for those that don't want modeling. But you're let's say you're interested in the weird pulpy World War II stuff that they're doing. You could just buy the models pre-painted from them. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, and I mean that kind of you know alludes to one of the things. Um, you want to choose something that you're interested in, and this drills down past just what kind of game and what kind of system you're thinking about playing you want to find something that you're interested in and passionate about even because you're going to be spending a, sh- a shitload of time with this stuff. and money yeah yeah it's you're not, gonna it, there's be, a barrier of entry to this yeah and it is the hundred dollar mark so, uh, it's there and then up and there's but, yeah yeah you you want to make sure it's something you like because you're going to be spending your hard-earned money on it and you're going to put a lot of work and effort into this game um and that's something you do need to understand coming in to the tabletop wargaming um, hobby, this is a time consumer. It is. Um, but hey, you know, there's worse things you could be doing <laughs> with your time and money. And you know, if you're a fan of Star Wars, they have Star Wars Legion. Yep. Um, and then if you're a fan of superheroes, they have Crisis Protocol. Yep, I was about to mention that. And that's actually a really good, um, talking about price of entry and stuff like mm-hmm. that, Crisis Protocol is a very good uh, point of entry because of the way that they do their game it's very easy to just pick up either the core box and you actually have a fairly full roster of, to play for less than a hundred dollars but even if you're not necessarily interested in those core heroes you can kind of just buy the packs of heroes that interest you and they all work together there's no right. limitation that says you can't have venom and spider-man on the same team which is make a little freeing for uh for people that are interested in those sorts of games yeah so with that kind of there's you have to figure out where you want to go and just a quick google is going to tell you a lot more than than we can have than we have the time to cover yeah. you know osprey games is one to check out warlord games is another one fantasy flight games privateer yeah. press mm-hmm. um let's think about who who else makes these these tabletop games That's games kind workshop of, games workshop yeah. yeah but they're they're, they're the, the ten thousand pound gorilla um what about uh corvus belly for Cor- infinity? yeah if you're into sci-fi um, uh cyberpunk specifically we've talked about infinity in the past that's a by corvus belly they have several products several entry-level products which is something i think it's important to talk about as well there's a lot of on-ramps mm-hmm. into right. once you figure out what game you want there's a ton of on-ramps into this um, perfect example with talk about Corvus Belly. If you're interested and intrigued by their models and want to see if you want to like that, you're interested in painting it. They have that game Aristia, which is like a a sports game in the Infinity Universe. Hmm. Or you could pick up the Code One Starter, which is a much more scaled down game. Right. Um, the most of these companies are aware of the hobby on ramp, and they understand that they need to. If they want to get you to play their system, they have to provide that option. So usually you can find a, a some sort of um, starting kit that will help you get into the actual hobby side of it. That will give you the models you need to start a basic force or to be a springboard into a, a basic force. And usually it'll have some sort of uh, rules included if the rules aren't already free online because a lot of companies do that as well. Yeah. So and then... That- Oh, go ahead. Yeah, that makes me think of kind of the second thing that I think that you need to be you need to consider, and also, and this is the second or third most important, depending upon how you feel about the third one. But the second thing that I'm going to bring up after finding something that interests you and you think that you could feasibly spend, you know, hundreds of hours on over the course of you know a year or more, depending upon how interested you are, um, is how likely are you to have a community that supports you? 
That's a good point. Yeah. Now, there are communities online like Reddit. Obviously, we've talked about quite a few different um, avenues that you could take with role-playing games. But the thing is, outside of Tabletop Simulator, um, where you can act, where you can play these games, you for Tabletop Wargaming, you need to have a local community. You do. Or um, you need to be willing to drive you know, to the big convention every year where you're going to get your five games of bolt action or whatever in. So you need to consider and look at that. Facebook is a great place to start, I uh, think. I, I do also want to say real quick, um, mm-hmm. you, you kind of just mentioned it, but I want to talk about it a little bit more. Uh, Tabletop Simulator is a board game simulator that's available on Steam for PC. Yeah. And I believe it is it support on Mac. Does anybody know? I don't. I have don't a Mac. care. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I think it is, but I definitely know it's supported for Linux. But I don't know on Mac yet. I well, I'll get confirmation. So this this is a program. If it interests you, if this sounds intriguing, because you know you live like grew up like I grew up, which was in the middle of nowhere. Um, this is an option for doing online gaming, not just war gaming, but also tabletop and role playing right. games. But there's also another system called Vassal like a feudal vassal that does something very similar, but it's a much more 2D uh, interface last time I looked mm. at it. Like everything is like more like flat token. So a game that requires elevation may not work as well on it. Yeah. But um, just if you are one of those people who grew up like I did, where you're in the middle of nowhere, don't give up hope. If you're this really interests you, you could still play. It's just you're missing out to me in that scenario on one of the very core things, and that's the tactile experience. We we're talking about why people play this. And I think being able to physically look down and see the models that you've painted and the yeah. models that you are moving around and seeing the diorama that unfolds as you you know, remove units from the table because they've been defeated in combat is a big draw as right. to why people would want to do this. It also removes a bit the social aspect. Not yeah. completely. You know, with Tabletop Simulator, um, obviously you can get on Steam and in the voice channel, still have conversations with your opponent. In fact, for games like Warhammer, you will absolutely have to have. Yeah, you can't that do that by chat. You no. cannot play this game without vocally communicating to someone. But you're also missing out on some of the big parts of the hobby, and this extends past Warhammer and all tabletop gaming. The vast majority of these games you have to purchase, assemble, paint, sometimes. I <laughs> depending try. Upon, I try. <laughs> depending upon paint how you feel about that. Um, yeah, but depending upon how you feel about it, you know, paint your miniatures and then you bring them to the table and play with them. So the game, these games are not just playing it. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of administrative time almost, I want to say, where you are assembling and painting your dudes. But, but it's also social time. Yeah, I will point that out. Like a lot of my, when the times when I am most, and this is part of what's killing my ability to get stuff painted right now is a lot of the time when I am the most productive is whenever I can go hang out at the local uh, uh, Warhammer store because uh, the manager and I are on friendly terms and he'll give me advice to paint while I'm just hanging out. And that's not something we can do right now. But having a hobby hangout is a very, very fun thing to do yeah. that also drives up productivity. Right. And so kind of I, I wanted to branch off of what, Zach, what you said about having a community to support it. And I think one of the big parts of that is finding a game store nearby and i think you know especially george you know he grew up kind of in the middle of nowhere there's there, nothing but swamp it's right. very depressing it's kind of hard you know sometimes to to find those things but it, the, the point is to kind of try mm-hmm. and try and find something close to you odds are unless you're living out in the middle of nowhere like george was you're probably going to know of at least your small town probably has one game store yeah. maybe even two if you know, and and for us, you know, there's we have probably 
yeah, eight or nine. I, I feel I feel like we're a little uh, spoiled for we game are. stores. We got a ton in this in this area. Yeah, I mean, my buddy down in Tampa, um, he told me that he's like, yeah, it always follows the same pattern. Like somebody opens a game store, it doesn't do well. They convert over to like one hundred percent magic, and then they close in like a couple of years. So it's like we're we're very lucky. But the point is, is like finding an FLGS online looking you know what's available to you going in and seeing what people play that's how i got plugged into the guardians club was i found a game store asked them if they played warhammer and zach said you know or i actually they said go to guardians club i joined the guardians club my first game was actually with zach and that was a while ago but i beat him he did (laughs) tabled me by turn two but i got to meet a bunch of other people while i was there and you know slowly start to realize how big and how many players there actually were in my city to where i could start playing games with people besides zach just punching my face in every week that still happens every week but now it's you know i have other people punching my face in as well so that's 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 pretty great but yeah go and finding an flgs that you like and if your flgs isn't friendly and you have multiple options move your feet to the next flgs until you find one that fits you there's and there's also another alternative, and this because I know we have listeners elsewhere. This is very much the American model, but you see mm. in uh, a lot of other places the rise of the game club. Yeah, good call out. Um, specifically, I know in England that's a mm-hmm. very, very big phenomenon, and I know a few places up in a few guys that I follow on other social media that are like up in Canada have game clubs or co-ops where they'll have a, a dedicated space that is not a retail space that a bunch of guys have banded together to turn into a play space for them right. yeah. uh, where they can store their stuff so their you know, significant other doesn't get mad at the growing pile of grape plastic. Hey, um, mine's not gray, man. No, I'm talking about myself there. Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, but uh, my point is, you know, if you put out feelers, especially with the social media being the way it is today, don't limit your search to just retail spaces, uh, especially if you have a big university in town. Universities yep. often have open oh, yeah. open game clubs that even if you're not a member of the university, they are welcoming because they. this only works as a hobby if you have a community. Right. Like the full gambit. You could always just buy the miles and paint them, but if you're looking to be a part of the, com- uh, to be a part of the game and to do all of that, you need a community. You need people to play with. And you might be lucky, like Mikey is, and have people in your neighborhood that sometimes you could play with. Like, you know, I know okay. those guys have all been busy lately, but yeah, yeah, um, I've got like three or four guys in my neighborhood that I can walk a block down and play a game. But um, if you're not, and you're, you know, maybe you're new to an area, you just moved to a city, and you're looking for something to do because you're new to the city, you move there for a job. Hey, look around for university game clubs. Look around for uh, game stores. Their, your tribe is out there somewhere. You just got to find them. Yeah, right. And, and I, I think it's important to say, like, you know, we kind of referenced this earlier with the whole nerd nerd culture becoming more popular, you know, in recent years. The, these people are out there. I mean, it, just like, let's look at podcasts. Like, I listen to quite a few podcasts, but I did a count earlier this morning, and I subscribed to 10 different Warhammer podcasts. <laughs> okay? That's too Wait, much Warhammer. It's a lot. I, I maybe listen to half the episodes that <laughs> come up. But... um No, so I mean, just with that, you know, small little survey, I guess, I mean, obviously, those podcasts have listenership that extend throughout the world. And Games Workshop would not be a company that makes, you know, tens and hundreds of millions of dollars worth of profit every year if there weren't people out there playing and buying their miniatures. Right. So the people are out there. So just because you're not seeing them play games at work, you know, don't worry. They're there. They are, and and for the most part, it's very welcoming, and we would 
we love new people. Mm-hmm. We do. Um, and there's other things too. There's wells of information and troves and troves of literature and videos. I mean, on YouTube, you can watch thousands of videos about how to paint certain things. Uh, if you're ever curious, like, how do I paint this stormtrooper? You're going to find a hundred videos yep. on how to paint a stormtrooper. You're going to find 20 videos on how to paint a space marine. You're going to find tons of historical videos on how to paint your army, what paints to buy, what color the buttons need what to be, what color the buttons need to be so that you don't get screamed at by a historical. And we're really kind of bagging on historicals. Yeah. <laughs> we were actually, so to, to give some context though, we were literally talking about which historical games sounded interesting like what, two days ago? Right. Yeah. So it's yeah. not like, it's we're, we're kind of poking fun at the reputation, but it's a, it's a fine way to play the, to do the hobby just like, anything else and you know what nobody's gonna if you show up and play historicals and you do it a little bit wrong i don't really think that somebody who plays a lot who notices that you're new is going to give you that much of a hard time about it now if you've been playing it for 10 years and you show up with mono black models you're probably going to get a couple sideways glances but nobody's going to give you a hard time and that's kind of the whole point is that this can be a big intimidating arena to enter and it can look from the outside like it's very hard and you don't know what you're doing but we were all there. We were all in that step at one point in our lives. We all kind of walked in. Some of us were younger than others, but we all walked in and kind of, we found the community, we found our tribe, and we found the games we like to play. And that's how all of this got started. So I think, um, yeah, and that's a good kind of close out to, you know, ensuring that you have a community. Like I said, that's either number two in importance or number three in importance, um, because the third one is dollar amount. Right. Consider how much you want to spend. Um, and, you know, and there are there are options across the board from that. I think it's pretty fair to say that you're going to need to spend about seventy bucks to get into tabletop wargaming at the lowest level, and that's getting you know four or five miniatures, a couple of paints, uh, and some dice is yeah. what that'll get you. And I, I think probably the cheapest point of entry right now that I can think of is probably Frostgrave. Um, yeah, and that's yeah. that's mainly because I think you could probably get into Frostgrave for around fifty bucks. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, maybe less because I haven't checked the price of just the PDF. Um, mm-hmm. A lot, a big part of that cost is just buying the book. Mm-hmm. But um, no, Zach's one hundred percent spot on. Figure out what you're comfortable with, and as far as like cost goes, and look at options around that level. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, there are a lot of on ramps in here. So let's say you are really interested in forty k, but you know you're a college student who is maybe really, really in the weeds right now, and you're just looking for something to relieve some stress and don't want to spend all this money because you don't have time to work all the time uh, to pay for the minis. Um, look at a kill team. You know, you, right, you, yeah. you, you buy a, you buy a box of dudes, a, one book, and you're good to go. Like, yep. and everybody, you could just go buy cheap D6s. You know, you don't need to have the fancy, you know, my factions printed on them. But, you could also, um, that you know, the, those dice. with the advent of Ninth Crusade, is it starts out very small. Yeah. And you can find a Crusade League pretty much at any game store, and they yeah. may be at different spots than you. So, but kill team is always kind of one of those things that, like, it's it's five to five to seven models most of the time. I think they have a hard limit on thirteen. It's you have to have between three and twenty. Is it twenty? Three and twenty. I don't yeah. think you can field the. Let, 20, let, okay, I don't play kill team, but that's that's what I that's what I've read. But then so. you know, so it's it's a good way. Warcry for Sigmar. Yeah, yeah Warcry uh, or Shadespire or Beastgrave or any of those. Yeah, Shadespire is actually a really low barrier entry, um, especially uh, since they changed the. It used to be that when you bought a box, they didn't give you all the resources to make the deck of cards that goes with it. Because in Shadespire, right. it's more like a board game for those of you who aren't familiar with it. Um, you have 
your little team of like three or four miniatures or to seven miniatures in some cases and then you have a deck of cards that powers your stuff the first boxes they the cards were just kind of like here's some cards to add to your collection but with the most recent set going forward they said every time you buy a box it'll be a pre-made deck so if you really want to try it but you don't want to buy the board and you know that there's a bunch of guys playing at your local game store you can buy just that dwarf team that you've been eyeing and it'll have a completed deck in there which is right makes it that's actually now that i think about it probably the cheapest way to get in and i think yeah and i think that sorry go ahead mike well some of the like some of that stuff too like there's Warcry for uh Sigmar. Mm-hmm. and that's that's more what we're kind of i i like Warcry. it's a blast um but there are some where you're not going to be able to do that uh star wars legion you're going to have to buy the starter box and and the and, and it's going to be about 80 bucks and it's two factions you're gonna have the imperials and the rebels and that's just kind of unless you find something on ebay which is a great resource as well mm-hmm. um going on ebay and kind of looking for different things you're going to find people offloading certain things and a lot of the time it's you know you, you can find it you can pick up an army that you're interested in starting for pretty cheap if you know what you're looking for mm-hmm. and that kind of goes into my next point of well what do i buy first right and kind of you have after you've picked your system after you've found your community after you've done a little research into what you want to do and you've established a dollar amount, I think this is where we get into, what do I buy first? What's my first buy? What do I need to buy? And and kind of where where do we where do I go from here? So what, what do I do to get to my first step? And with that, it's going to segue us into kind of our big gorilla, which is Games Workshop, right? Yeah, yeah and we're going to, I think that we're probably going to spend the majority of the rest of the episode talking about Games Workshop simply because one it's what we have the most experience in and two for a new player they have established multiple inroads to get you into the hobby now i'd like to preface preface that my opinion at least everything that's at a small level with games workshop is to get you into one of their flagships oh kill team exists so that you tell yourself hey i'm gonna just start this little adeptus mechanicus kill team and that's gonna be it and a year later you have fifteen thousand points of Mechanicus because it's addictive. Right. So. Yeah, that's a, that is one hundred percent the case. And I, I do before we do transition to talking specifically about GW. I just yeah. want to point out that, uh, like I said before, if you do the research, most of these games do have some sort of like start here box. And that is, I think, the biggest thing is look use those online resources to figure out what is the initial thing that you want to buy. And one thing to say as well is, no matter what game you're looking at, I feel like this applies. Buy something that you think is interesting yeah right not necessarily don't buy to win because the rules shift over time as you've heard us talk about in other episodes so don't buy the thing that's just going to beat everything because in a couple of months it might not be the case anymore and then you're selling everything and buying you're one of those guys who's chasing the winning team pick something you think that looks interesting zach what are you talking about man (laughs) i play chaos i have twenty-two thousand points of chaos and an Age of Sigmar army, and that's all I have. <laughs> We're just kidding around. Come but um, but yeah, just fucking dunk on you later on. <laughs> pick, pick what you think is interesting and go with it. If you really are interested in, um, you know, Ancient Samurai and you pick up Bushido and you want to do the weird pirate faction that they have in there, grab that. Cool. That's what makes you interesting and you got some guys to play. Great. There's no wrong answer there as long as you're getting some enjoyment out of it. The thing about Games Workshop is you're going to go to a game store. You're going to find some semblance of a Games Workshop community, yep. no matter what it is. Now, I am going to disagree with Zach a little bit because Necromunda, you are not going to be able to... That's not a that's segue. That's a fair point. Yeah. That's, well, that's not a segue game. Blood Bowl is not a segue game. 
Um, yeah, but it does it does strive to get you interested in the universe writ large. So, right. So. Yeah, I, understand I, I would that. say that it's not an intro game in that. So for those, let's let's before we get into the semantics of this, maybe we mm-hmm. should establish why. And you were kind of talking about it before we started talking about the side topic of what it was and is not an on ramp game for them. Uh, Games Workshop is the biggest miniature games manufacturer in the world. Correct. They are everywhere. They are by the, and large, like with without compare. Yeah, there, there's been a few people that have been on the rise and look like maybe they would compete, but without fail over time, the Warhammer IP has just pummeled most of its competition into the ground for various reasons. Um, and that's kind of, it's, in one hand, it's sort of like, like I said earlier with D&D, it doesn't fit everything you want to do, but a, the huge strength is if you get into Warhammer, if one of their settings appeals to you, you will probably be able to find a community for that setting Maybe not the specific sub-game you're looking for, but people are still, probably still kind of interested in it just because it's Warhammer. Um, you will be able to find people to play with are easier. Right. Um, and that's kind of where we go into... You find a FLGS, which stands for Friendly Local Game Store. Mm-hmm. Um, you will find a Warhammer community. And you may find something else, but you will probably find a Games Workshop community of some sort, either a Sigmar community. I think... St. Augustine was definitely more a Sigmar city, and that had more Sigmar players in it. And then Jacksonville is more of a 40K city. Jacksonville, when I started, was 40K, and then it shifted towards Sigmar, and now it's, and this has something to do with 9th just being released, but it even before that, it, it was shifting back to 40K. For some, I'm right. not sure why. I will also say that uh, having men, because you know, before we started doing the podcast together, I had never stepped foot in the game sort of you guys were playing 40k in because it was so out of the way for me i was going to a store on the other side of town and that store was always predominantly age of sigmore like you'd see guys playing 40k and they would talk about 40k um but it was very much a more sigmore focused game Mm -hmm. uh game store so that goes to show just within the same city right it's gonna the the what you see is going to vary from store to store. Stores will build up their own individual communities. Um, and I think before we continue, we should kind of talk a little bit about Warhammer, right. the IPs, just so everybody's on the same baseline. Because um, for those of you who aren't aware, who maybe have listened to this and heard us talk about Warhammer, and you've maybe seen a picture of a Space Marine because you cannot avoid pictures of Space Marines. They're everywhere. Um, fundamentally, Warhammer or Games Workshop has two intellectual properties uh, that they own and push. And that is what is now known as Age of Sigmar, but used to be Warhammer Fantasy, and Warhammer 40K. Now, Speci- specifically Warhammer 40,000. 40, not, not to cut you off and Sorry, correct, no, George, correct. but you're the IP correct. is Warhammer 40,000. People just colloquially call it 40K or AOS for Age of Sigmar. Yep. And the big difference between those two is uh, Age of Sigmar is a fantasy game where that is heavily inspired by... Um, the best way I could put it is like Thor and the uh, Norse mythology. You have these different realms of different... Oh, yeah. With Idrixol. Yeah, yeah. With the different realms that are each way. very thematic. So there's like a realm of metal. There's a realm of life. And each of these realms are giantly are giant um, thematic worlds. And you get to make your armies. But 
this is an outgrowth of their old fantasy battles line, which was much more Earth but fantasy. So you had wood elves and living in England, and you had uh, this group called the Bretonians who were like classic knights living in not quite France. Um, <laughs> but France. <laughs> but uh, so Age of Sigmar is generally, our AOS is their fantasy line, and you get orcs and goblins, but renamed slightly so that way they can preserve their intellectual property. And compared to 40K, which 40K is gothic dystopian gothic dystopian sci-fi set in the 41st millennium yeah i'm trying to think of what a good like comparison for 40k to someone that's never um been introduced do you you have a book around 40k by chance it doesn't look like you do mike but i mean that's fine yeah so the tagline for 40k which is like if games workshop had to describe itself even with the fantasy settings included if they had to describe their intellectual property they would use their tagline from warhammer 40,000 which is in the grim darkness of the far future there is only war and you really need to clue in on that grim darkness piece because warhammer 40,000 is a it is a very grim and dark setting in the future it's Absolutely. like here's the worst case for humanity if everything goes wrong <laughs> humanity is not the good guy in no, those no. scenarios that, that's another thing to remember with with warhammer 40,000 there are no good guys yes it, there there are the not quite as genocidal guys <laughs> I, I will point out for those of you who um maybe some history context will help uh this is a ip that started in the same uh Britain, the same 80s Britain that helped produce Judge Dredd and some of these other very cynical, satirical looks at the future. And it's, it, it was a reaction to Thatcher's politics. Exactly. So um, you will see a lot of references to that British culture in the game. For, so there is a, for example, orcs exist because it kind of started off as, hey, let's just take everything from the fantasy line and shove it into space. But over time, <laughs> it's grown into its own thing. But the orcs are 100% soccer hooligans or football hooligans for those of you who are, you know, not where hand egg is the sport of choice. Uh, Ugh, God, tip your fucking fedora, George. Get the fuck out. I just love the hand egg joke. Um, but my point is um, they've taken it and they've adapted it to make it their own thing. So now orcs are not just fantasy, not fantasy orcs in space. They're now this weird fungus race that is... <laughs> still very very much speaking with a cockney accent and you know liking getting into big fights right but there's also so there's you know you're fighting on the side of humanity it's a very far future sci-fi setting it's basically the idea that we are in dystopian future ten thousands tens of thousands of years ahead of where we're at now things are not great there are a (laughs) lot of things going on dimensional warps have torn into place and there are literal demons from hell spewing out of it it's kind of like imagine star trek and then it's the exact inverse of that yeah like 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 star trek is what i would consider to be noble bright right and while in star trek you know you know like something like 600 million people die in world war three prior to the events of star trek taking place like in warhammer 40k 600 mil casualties is like okay that was a that was a good tuesday yeah because <laughs> like, yeah. we got wednesday to think about and, yeah. I, and I got another billion guys waiting yeah. to die so it's this is very much like a it's it's a big time warfare scenario but at the same time it's got a, quite a bit of lore there's a full black library of stories that you can learn about 
there is a background to I want I want to interrupt really quick quickly Black Library is the publishing company that right. Games Workshop that is a subsidiary of Games Workshop they do all the different you know like the official novels yeah of which there are literally hundreds yes so I mean we're you're looking you're you're if you're look when we talk about 40k we're giving you the 10,000 foot view mile wide but very much not an inch deep you are putting your your toe into the water and it is a trench down there and you know that's that's honestly one of the that that's why i play 40k is because the the lore is fantastic behind it there is a lot of depth to explore there but let's talk about some of the positives from that right you can show up with pink space marines and have a giant you know horse head like emblem and be like these are the uh horse knights of this planet and they are pink power armor wearing and you know what that that could very well exist that could very well exist because of the grand scale of this yeah the the 40 the warhammer forty thousand ip is so vast and it's one of those things like really us talking about it will fail to impart to you listeners that aren't familiar with it already the sheer ridiculousness of the scale it means there's literally room for any interpretation of it almost there i mean there are some hard rules as far as like what you supposedly would and wouldn't see in the setting but you could make up almost any sub faction variant for any of the armies and they'd be like yeah yeah that's that's exist on this one planet easily yeah yeah it's the ultimate setting for creating and expanding on the concept of your dudes which you know like in mike's you know example of like pink space marines with pegasus heads or whatever or unicorn heads that's fine those are your guys right and you might bring that into a store and someone might laugh at you and say that they suck, but, <laughs> and that would be because you've created a ridiculous army. But, um, you know, again, it's, it's yours. It's no one else's. And in a galaxy that has over a million planets, um, which is kind of the setting for Warhammer 40,000, who's anyone else to tell you what's wrong and right? Like, this is your canvas. Here's your left and right lateral limit. That's it. Yeah. Go for it. And honestly, the person that probably told you if you showed up with pink space marines and they told you that your army sucked, odds are most of the other people that probably play with that guy or poor woman, we're not going to discriminate here, uh, (laughs) probably don't like that person very much because that dude's negative. Yeah. We Uh, we all have had those ideas. We're like, let's do this cool, ridiculous thing that is pushing the limits on what seems acceptable in the setting. And without fail someone will mark out to it and be like, that is the most amazing paint yeah. job or idea I've ever seen. I mean, right. you, you can think about it, and this also holds true in the Age of Sigmar setting. When I showed up to, with my war cry and I had all the named dogs, right. like that was, everybody loved that idea. And one of my guys was named Snarls Barkley. Doesn't matter that that's the most ridiculous thing ever. It's It was just that's a fun hilarious. idea. Yeah, I had a smash captain for uh, my Death Watch army named Brother Captain Tolerance, which if you you know if you know follow the Death Watch, they're, they're the alien hunter rays, and they are not tolerant, so right. yeah. they found that funny. So um, I guess you yeah, had to kind of pull back a little bit. Um, you know, with um, Warhammer, very easy both for Age of Sigmar and 40K to actually get into it. Games Workshop makes plenty of different products. Like I'm looking at one right now from 8th edition that Mike has is called First Strike. And it's just a little box set that was probably 50 or 60 bucks. And it comes with, you know, the starters of two armies. I think that was only 40. Yeah, this one I don't was know. 40 bucks. Okay, 40 bucks. But it comes with like, you know, five or 10 dudes. They're from two armies. But those starter sets are great too, especially the bigger ones because you get two armies. And so if you got a friend, you drag them along for the ride and you split costs. 
and they always make several different iterations of the starter sets um, going you know from your smaller ones at 40 all the way up to something like Indomitus that just came out for ninth edition that was two hundred dollars mm-hmm. right. but had half an army for each of those armies in it right but um, I mean I'm just looking at the box contents and it gives you a game mat a ruler six dice a terrain piece and a double-sided mat, and then you got 15 miniatures in it. Yeah. And this and, was a 35 to 40 bucks. Yeah, and so, you know, you split your cost with your buddies if you're not sure about something like Warhammer. Split it, you know, you're each out 20, put your models together, play them in a quick game. If you like it, here we go. If you don't, hey, it sucks, you're out 20, 20 bucks, bucks a piece. But hey, you can always resell this shit on Facebook because there's somebody out there that wants those miniatures. Or it's a small little board game that goes on your shelf, yeah. and you play it with another person some other time, and it's just a fun little popcorn game night yeah i mean not you don't there's no you're not legally bound to (laughs) play any game if you don't like it i've played a couple miniatures games that i've bought and i've said you know what this isn't for me but i've either found somebody to take it or i've repurposed the models into something i like better i mean it's it's easy yeah there's a there's a scale if you're interested in this and this is something we talked about before there is a scale that exists for just about everybody you've got your you know, you've got Kill Team, you've got regular Warhammer 40k, which is already scalable. Um, so for those of you who don't know, there's a couple different ways you can sh- construct an army in Warhammer 40k. But yep. the most commonly accepted way is what's referred to as match play, where every unit is worth so many points. And the standard game usually runs anywhere from 1,000 to 2,000. But right. that's just something you and your opponent agree beforehand. So if we're wanting to play a game, we just kind of put our feelers out and say hey, I'm looking for a 1,000-point game of Warhammer 40k 9th edition, and someone will usually chime in and say, I can do a 1,000, and then you're off to the races. So I think that, that brings us into our final closing segment of what do I buy after I've established the system that I want? And this is kind of where you start, right? So aim for a point value. In my case, I'm going to recommend you start at 1,000. 1,000 is going to give you a nice round number. People can do 1,000. The players that have more, that's enough for them to at least get involved in a game of that size. You're going to want to get the rule book. So you want to buy the rule book, aim for a thousand points. Don't you don't have to buy a thousand points right away, but aim to start yeah, building. Yeah, start to a working towards. And you know a great way to do that: the start collecting boxes. Correct. Games Workshop makes them for every single faction that they have in Warhammer and Age of Sigmar. Age of Sigmar. And uh, I think the price point's usually about a hundred dollars on them. But for that, you get about 135 to 150 dollars in yeah. value there is literally a model in every one of those start collecting that if you want that model you should get the start collecting yeah right and then figure out what kind of player you're going to be figure out if you're going to be a narrative player or are you going to be a competitive player if you're going to be a competitive player take your thousand points after you've got it set up go to a store play with some people find some competitive players ask them what your next step should be talk to them let them guide you Somebody's going to help you out, or somebody's going to know what units are good and what units aren't good. If you're a narrative player, buy what looks cool, paint it up, give it a backstory, start playing with people, and enjoy. Have fun. That's the biggest part of the hobby. Odds are that you're probably going to be a combination of both. Yeah, you will. Like, for me, you know, I I, I play Chaos pretty exclusively, but I have my sub-factions within Chaos that I like. I play those sub-factions, and I try to make them competitive. Yep. So. Yeah, I definitely uh, want to sent- echo the sentiment of if you find a faction you really like and you know you want to play the big war game, get that start collecting first. It's uh, almost universally, with a few exceptions, um, the has all the keystones you need in the army. 
um, from there, I'm much more of a narrative player, so definitely buy what you think is interesting. Mm-hmm. I started off uh, collecting one army, which is Tau. They're like space communists. Uh, actually, I believe I... I compared, really not, though. Well, <laughs> I, I believe I compared... They're fascist like everybody else. <laughs> I, I actually think I compared them to space Mormons because they have their ideology that they're trying to push that's almost religious. But um, basically, I ended up not enjoying them once I didn't do enough research beforehand. So... If I would have done the research and bought what I thought looked cool, I would have ended up with AdMech, which is where I, I'm currently right. at and very happy. Um, and just kind of expand to where what you think looks cool. If you think the big, cool centerpiece model looks good and you want to push your want to push your painting to be able to be worthy of that, great. That's a goal. Mm-hmm. Set your goals and stick to them. Yep. And uh, you know, we'll we'll keep these segments ongoing. Um, you know, we'll add we'll add new ones throughout the future yeah. of like for your first step, guys. We'll have a first step segment. Maybe next time we can talk about terrain or other things that you're going to want to know about. Um, but let's let's kind of move on to kind of jo- uh, George. You have a pet project that's kind of coming out. I you know you have one shot theater coming down the line soon. Uh, you want to talk about that for a little bit? Yeah. So uh, first, I want to kind of offer a little bit of apology. When we made the announcement, if I'm not mistaken, I kind of made it sound like it would be a little more immediate, and part of that is just the real world uh, catching up. My day job is spooling back up again. Um, which ended up putting more of a um, more of breaks on the one shot theater, but is definitely something we we're still very interested in doing. And, and the call to action on that, for those of you who are still listening at this point, is if you have RPG systems you'd like us to check out, please let us know. We're going to definitely continue recommending interesting things to you guys based off of one shot theater. And it's to clarify, um, it's not going to be an actual play. One Shot Theater is 100% us doing a sort of uh, post-game review slash uh, debrief where we talk about what we like to give you an idea if it's a game that appeals to you. So if you're a guy who likes the tactical combat of Dungeons & Dragons like we were talking about earlier, and we say, oh man, this game does that this even better than this, you now know, okay, I like tactical combat. This might be something that I like more. Um, or I don't like tactical combat and they keep talking about how they have to measure in inches everything, you'll know to stay away from that game. But uh, we're still really looking forward to it. Where The goal is to get it out um, within the next month. Right. I'm, I'm not going to yep. commit to a hard timeline beyond that because <laughs> uh, this upcoming next few weeks are going to be particularly difficult for me for scheduling. But um, we are still committed to Trinity, uh, which is a modern action game specifically with a very espionage uh we're probably gonna end up feeling a lot more like archer than james bond but that's okay um so just drunk stumbling around firing guns all get, over getting the place. absolutely lucky i'm gonna make a character named mancy <laughs> m and mancy m as in mancy what did you think i that, said that are seamus right? i think that's a son yeah. god i need to watch that, archer that's, it. that's just not quite son but um i'm gonna so, name mine steve holt so if you guys are, are part of our our rpg crew know that uh yeah we know that we we focus a lot on wargaming but we are very very excited about bringing to you one shot theater uh once scheduling kind of shakes out so we'll, we'll give you a little bit of a heads up, but that it will be coming in the near future. Yeah, so look out for it, suckers. Yo. Yeah. All right, well, that leads us to the end of our episode. Uh, I just wanted to thank you guys again for listening, and uh, we look forward to being back in our next episode. Yeah, I hope you guys have a good time and enjoyed the episode. Happy gaming in the future.